Welcome to Rem and Sam. It was a crazy weekend of football this past week. Whole lot of upsets. Nothing too. There's, I mean, beyond some big storylines, headlines, there wasn't too much going on. But a lot of big matchups going on. Some stuff in NBA rumblings. You know, stuff all happening all over the sports world. But we don't care about any of that. Not any of the games, except for one. This is the podcast bowl. It happens only so often. Our two teams matched up. Rem is a Colts fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. And they played this last weekend. And when I tell you I was disgusted with the result, I'm going to just have to say it. I am. All right? I respect, you know, Matt Ryan, you know, veteran quarterback. Solid, you know, defense, you know, Jonathan Taylor and all that. But you guys just got skunked by the Jags. There is no reason this game should have happened. Rem, how shocked were you that you guys pulled this off and were able to beat the Chiefs? In in the NFL, there's no such thing as like division pride. Like there is in college football, you have conference pride, the Big Ten. You know, you root for a team in the Big Ten, but you also root for the Big Ten when they play the SEC. This week there was there was some AFC South pride in the NFL. We really took it to took it to your division. I think there was three three AFC South versus AFC West matchups. A lot of people had our division pegged as the worst in the league and yours as the best in the league. And what do you know? AFC South, 3-0 and against the AFC West. Most notably, yes, the Colts, Sam, beat the Chiefs. I think we're, we're both disgusted with the results of this game. I mean, obviously, we like the win, but you're disgusted with the result. I'm disgusted with how the game played out. Chris Ballard owes, he owes a lot of things to the Chiefs. Obviously, that's where he comes from. That's where that's where he got his name in the NFL. That's where the Colts hired him from. And this is this is the second time now that the Chiefs have kind of blown a game to the Colts. You have to go back to the Jacoby Brissett days on Sunday night football when Jacoby Brissett steps in and beats beats Pat Mahomes. So once again, a job saving win for Chris Ballard versus the Chiefs. And they needed they needed to win this game not just for their season, but you can't as Chris Ballard build a competitive football team and have the Kansas City Chiefs come in and just disrespect you and not take you seriously for 58 minutes and just not care and almost almost not try. What were your guys doing, Sam? It was like a it was like a day off almost. It was so embarrassing for the Colts. It was so disrespectful if they had just come in there and just not even tried, come away with the win. Karma is why the Colts won that game. That game was wild. It was crazy. Um, I didn't. So, just a little details about the game. Colts beat Chiefs, or Colts beat the Chiefs twenty to seventeen. Uh, Matt Ryan actually had a solid day for once. Twenty of 30, 27 to thirty-seven, two hundred twenty-two yards and two touchdowns. I do think Pittman returning was a big factor in you guys winning. I really, I've always liked Pittman, and yeah, I know that helped y'all was. Uh, his 72 yards and Mahomes finally had his first interception of, of the year. Um, he had 262 yards, a touchdown, and he had the most rushing yards for the team, which I think was also partially of why we, you know, had a rough day is that we weren't running the ball as much as we should have. But I mean, we had a rough start with the fumble, um, with the punt fumble. And um, I mean, Sky Moore, the rookie, almost also muffed the second one. I mean, he was looking around, acting like he'd never caught a punt before. So, you know, it started off rough. But I mean, at the end of the day, our, our we did we our special teams did really hurt us because that early touchdown to you guys, um, at that very beginning really hurt. Um, being down just starting off down seven zero, and then having Amendola as our kicker. I mean, we, I mean, if he makes, if we have Butker there, we're probably winning with our field goals in that. But with all that stuff going against us, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. You know, I was, at, I was busy with stuff. I wasn't able to watch the game live, but looking back over it, I mean, I thought we were winning going into the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, we're still, I think the defense still played really well. And even looking at that fourth quarter, they got a lot of stops. I mean, there's only so many times you can stop an NFL offense from scoring and, I mean, Georgius Kofaltis. I'm going to get his name right at some point. 
I'm gonna was what? How do you say it? Karloftis. I think it's Karloftis. I'm not gonna say that's right, but that's how I think it's pronounced. I'm I'm gonna have to get his name right. It's just like Anakumpo. At some point, you know, when you're making that many plays, you got to make it or get it right. And um, you, you know, with both from Greece, uh, but interesting fact. But um, I think definitely, I think the defense play. I think the defense played pretty well. I mean, they held them to 20 points, and I think they did their job. It's just the offense kept giving up the ball so often. Um, and it was just, it was just a pretty uncharacteristic play. You know, I don't think we balanced it enough with the running. And I think there may be a little bit of issues with the enemy Mahomes. You know, it's not, there's, you know, we don't have the safety net of Tyreek Hill there to break us out in case, you know, everything goes badly. But, um, you know, if we have to take a loss, I'd, I mean, this is probably the best way. You know, a fluky win uh, because that was fluky. I mean, I think even you got to admit that was that was a pretty fluky game. There was a play. I believe it was. I believe it was your opening drive of the, the second half. It was in the third quarter. You're in the red zone. It's fourth down. Andy Reid. Andy Reid decides to go for it when you're up 14-10. There's really just no reason you wouldn't kick the field goal there. Go up 17 to 10. But he goes for it. Gets in a wishbone set. They get the first down, but eventually they go to fourth down and end up kicking the field goal anyways. And it's almost like Andy Reid just wanted to run that play there. The whole game, there wasn't really like a cohesive game plan. It was just like, hey, let's just try these different plays. And, the you know, the Colts defensive line is still good. They were still able to rattle Mahomes a little bit. But you guys look you guys look so far superior than 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 we did in that game. Matt Matt Ryan, Sam, Matt Ryan just looks completely washed. That that muff punt that led to the touchdown, that's our first, that's our that's our first non-fourth quarter touchdown of any game this season. And it wasn't even like a real drive. He hasn't been able to put together any real scoring drives this season. I think that there's 32nd in offensive DOA DVOA right now. He he can't move. And the only reason he was able to lead a drive at the end of that game is because you guys just back off, prevent defense. There's no pressure. I mean, you even get the pressure, the sack, the stupid, the stupid penalty, but there's really no pressure there when when you're able to get to him, he just can't move. He looks washed so long. You know, it's it's one of those wins that you just go, we'll we'll take the win, but there's really nothing in this win to say, let's carry that in into next week. That, that's why they're so excited in the locker room. Or it's great team win. It's everybody's hype. This is awesome because it's, you know, it, this is not repeatable. It's not something we can do. We can do week to week. They looked outmatched. They look, they look like the team that was on the level that they played in the first two weeks, and they just got lucky this week. Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point that unsportsmanlike penalty. I think really, I mean, I think if we don't have that penalty, I'm pretty sure we're winning the game. If our kicker can make a field goal, we're probably winning the game. If we don't do that dumb fourth and ten fake, I don't even understand what that fake was because like, there's no way you're converting that, especially with that kind of like play they had. And then, yeah, you know, also the interception plays. He's not, he's not and really also, coaching. It's not game yeah. planning. And the interception was a tip ball as well. I mean, he hit his guy. He just got popped out and it just was perfectly placed for it to be picked. So, I mean, everything just broke the Colts way. And, you know, it's, it's the NFL. I mean, you know, it's, it's how games are going to go. Not everything's going to go your way. And um, considering that we were still really competitive and I, I actually like that, you know, it was our offense that was stumbling and not our defense because our defense, I think, still played really well. I really like a rookie. Sneed looks pretty good. And, um, you know, I, I still I still think our defense did our, their job. And if, if they play, you know, like that every week, more times often than not, Mahomes is going to figure it out. So, you know, we're, I don't think either of our teams, you know, really are devastated by it. I think I think. The Bietami Mahomes thing may be a little overblown. I don't I don't know if I'm ready to call it like Draymond Green KD level of argument, but we'll see. I don't I don't think there are any cracks, but you know, we'll 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 see in the next couple of weeks. I don't I don't think there's anything. Do you make anything of that? I don't know. People people were saying, I don't know, maybe, you know, no hill. Now it's all falling apart kind of thing. I mean, ideally you don't want your offensive coordinator and your quarterback barking at each other. We have seen McDaniels and Brady do that. The history of McDaniels outside of Brady is very, very shaky. So projecting and going, hey, maybe the enemy who's, you know, a, 
showing these same characteristics as this other offensive coordinator who's had a questionable head coaching thing. Maybe this is one of the things that has led to him, you know, not getting a job. I know there's been talks about how he is in a room doing interviews. There's former players that have come out and talked about his coaching style. So this is another example of it. But in terms of he just doesn't seem to have like a lot of power within the organization. You mentioned Durant and Draymond. You know, those are two very powerful figures in Golden State at the time. It's very clearly Reed and Mahomes at the top of the Chiefs organization. And Biennemi is an offensive coordinator and has been, you know, apparently a valued piece there, but he is not on the same level as Mahomes and Reed there. So there doesn't, if there is a beef, it would be very, I think it would be very easy long-term to fix for Kansas City. They would know exactly what yeah. they would do in a situation if they had to. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. I mean, we had we used to have Matt Nagy there instead and upgraded him. And, I mean, if he left, we just upgrade someone else. So, um, to the other weird, really wacky, wonky game, the Dolphins beat the Bills 21 to 19. Now, why is that weird? The Bills, you know, the Dolphins, great have been really solid the last couple of you know last couple of weeks you know really great they've, they've really stepped up but you i think everyone has seen the clip of the kevin ken dorsey going crazy up in the up in the box and there's a big reason for that <laughs> josh allen on the day went 42 of 63 400 yards, two touchdowns, 47 yards rushing on eight carries. The Bills had almost had third, had 90 offensive plays. The Dolphins only had 39. The Bills had 31 first downs. The Dolphins only had 15. Ram, have you ever seen a game like this? And if you're the OC, are you doing the same thing? I mean, like, what what are what do you do with that? If I'm the OC, I'm not slamming the tablet, which is flat, onto a flat surface. He's slamming it straight down on the de- onto the desk. That's not going to break the tablet efficiently. It's in a case as well. These are protected. These are meant to be, you know, tossed and thrown around. It's a desk. There's a corner right there. You've got to snap it on the corner. They, they, they're even cutting the camera out. You've got one swift chance to really get a clean break on that. And he's already infamous for doing it. He will live on in internet and meme history but if if he gets a clean break on that tablet it's iconic we've seen a lot of throws we haven't seen a lot of just this guy absolutely it would be the the number one tablet obliteration in 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 nfl sideline history but the bills the bills just got they got sloppy in this one the the play at the end of the half he doesn't get out of bounds Josh Allen makes the play all's all's mckenzie has to do to that on that is just sprint straight to the sideline Get out of bounds, stop the clock. Instead, he does a little juke. It allows the defenders to recover. He's tackled in bounds. And there was a play at the end of the first half where they're trying to set up for a field goal at the end of the first half. Allen comes down. Instead of spiking the football, he fakes spikes, throws it out to Diggs. Diggs gets tackled in bounds to end the game. That's just, you know, sloppy stuff we don't expect from the Bills. It, in in weird situation, it was a weird, you know, just game conditions as well. It's super hot. The Bills receivers are not getting separation at all. Josh Allen's checking down to running backs the entire game. Everybody's winded. So it it's it's not climates that they're gonna have to deal with for the rest of the season. There's not a lot to take away. I think I think if anything, you know, Josh Allen watching his performance again, it's like this this guy, I don't I don't know why there is a hesitation to make him the best, just for people to say outright he is the best quarterback in the league. You watch games like this and just go, he is by far and away, doing more, carrying more of a load for any football team than any player, any quarterback in the league. And this is maybe the most talented roster in the league. And he is carrying, still carrying the biggest load of any offensive player in the league. But after this game, Sam, I know we took the two of victory lap last week. But the Dolphins have to be there now in the AFC. They have to be right at the top of the list of contenders. I know it's week three. I know we're only technically overreacting at this point. But what about the last couple games does not seem sustainable from what they've done? The, the only thing you would say is can Tua still be good? But this, this this guy was drafted to be good. We thought he was going to be good his entire career. And if it wasn't for a couple of terrible situations, you know, maybe this guy is already where he is at. But but what about the Dolphins? Are they not going to keep doing? 
So quickly to wrap out on the Josh Allen thing, I think there's just, you know, too many other good, great quarterbacks right now in the league with, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and we'll get to a little bit of him, you know, Mahomes and stuff. So, you know, I think we want to see a little, you know, maybe a couple more games, but he's definitely playing the best out of everyone right now. As for the uh, the Dolphins, you know, I think every single year they have that weird, really hot, fluky game. I mean, Brady, you know, lost a couple down there. You know, there's the Gronkowski at safety that, you know, that they lose. But this team, this team's got something that's special. They got something that's special because they have, because of them having Hill and Waddle. And it showed, and when you look at the stats of today, Hill only had 33 yards. Um, he didn't have a great game. But when you look at the other side, Waddle, four of six, 102 yards. And that shows, I mean, when you watch the game, they, you know, they pretty much made the defense to shut down Hill, which they did effectively. I mean, 33 yards, that's a good day on guarding Hill. And Waddle ran loose, especially that third and 22. I think that game, what really broke the Bills' defense's back was that third and 22, where they had them. They were back in coverage. And Tua split the defense deep between, I think, two safeties right to Waddle. And, you know, yeah, it wasn't a touchdown, but it might as well have been. I mean, they had, what, now four chances right two yards outside the end zone to score. And I think that really shows Tua's growth. You know, he's now really, like I mentioned last week, he's really gained that confidence against one of the most talented rosters in the league, like you mentioned. He's under pressure. I mean, he's facing this ridiculous D-line. And, you know, now we there were some stats later talking about how, you know, most of the secondary were rookies for the Bills. You know, it was a really unexperienced secondary out there. So we do have to take that into account. But I think – Tua is handling business right now. You know, he's sitting atop of the the his division, and he's only one of two undefeated teams, which I think goes which goes perfectly into what I was gonna ask you next. So we have the Eagles and the Pat or the or the Dolphins as the two only undefeated teams. If you have to pick right now, who's staying undefeated longer? Who's cracking first? I would have to I would have to look at the schedule, see if there's any schedule losses that are looming. I mean, the 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 Dolphins have the Bengals coming up Thursday night. It's a short week after a brutal game with the Bills. So that that could be a schedule loss right there. But it it's tough and it 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 is it, you know, we're both asking each other the same thing. What is what is sustainable here? And we're looking at both of these teams, and it seems to me that just what the Dolphins do. It's very sustainable. We've seen their defense now for multiple seasons be one of the fastest, one of the better statistical defenses in the league, and it looked like it again today. It was the speed was there. They're flying around. They're making plays. They're getting they're getting their hands on some Josh Allen passes. They almost pick him off a couple times. And the the Tyreek Hill Waddle thing adds a adds a dimension to their offense. You know this as a Chiefs fan watching it, but how it expands just the potential for every play for your offense where seven, eight yard plays become 13, 14, 15 yard plays, 20 yard plays become 40 yard plays. It seems like once they're at the 50 yard line, the dolphins are just, they could, they could be at the goal line in one play. It just seems like they have that in every game. And I don't see Tua getting any worse. I'm going to continue to ride the Tua bandwagon, but the same, same thing with the Eagles. Jalen hurts is all of a sudden just become one of the best, Become one of the best throwers in the league. The athleticism stuff is there, but it's the intelligence and the IQ as a passer from him that has been really special. And their their roster, top to bottom, is probably better than the Dolphins right now. And I think this speaks to a little bit of, you know, patience. Patience for these franchises. Because I think especially a lot of QBs in the league, they, they most of them have talent. And that's one of the most interesting things talking about with people who played in the league. Everyone in there has talent. The thing with the QBs, especially young QBs, is it's situation and what's going on around them that almost always dictates how their career goes. And when you look at with Jalen Hurts, when he comes into the league, you know, not much is going on with the Eagles. They're trying to recover from um, where they were at um, with Nick Foles. You know, they're trying to recover and, you know, everyone talking about, oh, he's really a running back. He doesn't know what they're doing. 
And then they invest in him. They bring in wide receivers. They bring in weapons. They, you know, open up the offense. They actually have a coach for more than one year. And they have a whole offseason. He learns the offense. And look, and he's having a great year. And then the same exact thing is happening now down in Miami. They get, they trust Tua. They keep him around. They finally get rid of Fitzpatrick. They stop doing that dumb switch in, switch out stuff. Give him some continuity. Let him know you are the guy. Give him draft Jalen Waddle. Now they have hell and on top of their defense and a coach who trusted him. And now you see him growing and flourishing. I mean, the talent was always there. It's just the situation. And I like that these teams are getting rewarded for being patient because I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's just how you grow as these athletes. Cause they're all young guys. They just need the trust and the confidence behind them to go out there and show those plays because I mean, the playbook was all wonky originally with Tua, and that was that was. I mean, it was all mess. But um, maybe Rem, time to turn on the Instagram camera. We got a hot take here, okay? So the Eagles most likely they might lose here. They got Jaguars, Cardinals, Cowboys. They might lose here. Now you did mention that the Dolphins have the Bengals, who have looked a little suspect. But after that, they play the Jets, they play the Vikings, they play the Steelers, they play the Lions. They play the Bears. They play the Browns. They play the Texans, the 49ers. And then in December, they get into the Chargers, the Bills, and the Doll and the Packers. So Patriots gets a little harder. But uh, they face the 49ers December 4th. They have a chance to not lose a game until December if they handle business. I mean, yeah, the, you know, the Bengals, like you mentioned, is a tough out. But beyond that, you know, maybe the Browns, I don't know if, uh, Deshaun will be back by then. I don't think so. Um, yeah, that's not week 11. So beyond, you know, the Bengals and a little bit of pressure from the Browns, if they continue being this high firing offense, I, I could see them, you know, going, let's see, one, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, that'd be 11 and oh, going into San Francisco against, you know, who Jimmy G or, Trey Lance and, and the, you know, we already know that secondary suspect. So, you know, it's they got a pretty easy schedule. And if you go on FanDuel, Sam, mm-hmm. you can bet the last remaining undefeated team. The Eagles are heavy, heavy favorites right now. They're minus 430. You can get the Dolphins at plus 240. So if they if they can get out of this Thursday night game against the Bengals, which he said, is that that's is that a Bengals home game? Because on those Thursday night uh... games, it's. Yeah, it's a Bengals home game. Yeah. It's tough to pick against the home team on the short week, but if they can go in there and they can and they can do it against a shaky Bengals team, a uh, against a shaky's Bengals O line that hasn't really looked any better, even though they invested in it. I mean, it, it you just laid it out. It it gets pretty light, and if they get past yeah. that Bengal game, those odds are going to move. I don't know. We might. I might be doing that right now, Sam. Oh, oh, we might need to take a break and, and do it right now. Because, and I think, you know, it may inflate to, a, you know, the team to be overhyped. But I think it's I think it's perfect for this team because I think it will really show that what they have works. And I think it will really give this team some swagger. And I, I really am happy for Tua because I've always been in his corner. You know, we've always seen that talent at the college level. And, you know, I know you're you are number one fan for Tua. You've always have been. We're preaching to the choir right now. But um, I'm just happy that, you know, you know, even if Tyreek Hill leaving, we're kind of sad he's gone. But I am happy he's prospering somewhere else. And, you know, it's Miami. You know, it's it's fun. They're a fun team. They're fun to watch. They're running all over the field. And, you know, forget, I mean, even they're outside of their wide receivers, they still have Chase Edmonds, you know, who I think was leading the league in touchdowns last year with the Cardinals. Or somewhere he was definitely uh, productive last year. That was year. Connor on the Cardinals. Oh, funny. James Connor. But he was still. I still think he was. He was. I think he, he still shared some, uh, shared some carries there with in Arizona. And then Raheem Mostert as well, who like three, four years ago was running roughshod all over the league until he got injured. So, I mean, this team is stacked. It's it's it. They're a fun team to watch, and I can't wait to see them grow, especially in these next couple of weeks. Um. And if they, I mean, they could, I really think they'll handle business because, I, I mean, like we mentioned before, one of the hardest things always for defenses to handle is that new shiny toy and that first year of having them in there. And they're like, okay, we don't have any film on this. How do we go out here and guard this? I mean, you know, we don't know who Waddle is. 
And that's that's where, you know, you have seasons where Mahomes puts up 50 touchdowns. You know, Mitch Trubisky has five touchdowns in a game. You know, Mike White happens. You know, he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's where it happens. And so it's it's going to be fun seeing this first year and seeing how far they go because, I mean, it'll, I really can't wait till they face the Bills again because that could that could be a really good matchup. It could be. It could also be the Bills just reminding us all that they're the best team in the league when that comes back around because they'll also get Miami in in Buffalo as well. And you mentioned true. it earlier, but you do you do have to remind yourself that this was not a full-powered Bills defense in that game. And that actually goes to the credit of the Bills defense where you're watching it and watching the secondary play and going, wait a minute, this is the best safety combo in the league, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They're both out for the game. White's obviously been out for the season already. The secondary is depleted. And Demir Hamlin stepping up. He's playing well. He was he was really good on Sunday. So there, there's there's going to be a lot of depth there that's going to be important going into the playoffs. I think on the AFC right now, my confidence rankings after three weeks, it would be Buffalo one. I would still have KC Mahomes. I'd still have them number two. But I think Miami's sitting right there at number three. I think top to bottom. I think they're number three. I, Baltimore with Lamar is the the yeah, other team that's good. sitting there as well. That's that's going to be your tier one. But Miami is in. I think Miami is definitely a tier one AFC team after week three. Yeah, they are. I mean, they they have to be up there. And I mean, I, mean, I thought they the were only... after week two, but now it's like everybody agrees that Miami is a team. And they're the only team to beat the Ravens. And that was the Ravens at their best. I mean, this version of the Ravens at their best. So, you know, they definitely make sense that they're above them. And I I really can't wait for that Ravens bills game coming up this week. I mean, that's going to be a really good matchup seeing where both those teams are at. And uh, I know the bills will be raring to go. um, But, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to see, you know, it's always nice to get a surprise team in there. Because I don't think people were really counting on the uh the counting on the Dolphins to be this good. I mean, I've always liked Kaseki. He's gone, he's had to deal with so many years of crap. And I'm so happy that he's able to get a good team and you know be productive on a good team because he was productive on bad teams for a long time. So, you know, it's it's just happy to see your guy win, you know. But, you know, there's gotta be a little bit of sadness because now you know he can never get traded to your team. You know, I know there's a little bit of hope last offseason, a couple off seasons, but Looks like he's stuck in Miami for now, Rem. Damn, you know if I was running the Colts, he would be the Colts quarterback right now. You know I <laughs> would have gone out in there. I would have gone out and snagged him from the Dolphins. All right. Well, we talked about the best of the league. We gotta take a look at the worst. And you know, I'm happy to see it, of course, because they're in my division. You know, there was a little bit, you know, all offseason we heard, oh, the Chiefs are gonna be last. Watch out for the Broncos. The Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders, who just happen to be the only 0-3 team. Are you surprised? Like this, I know, you know, we we kinda we kinda there was I, I personally didn't think the Raiders were gonna be this weren't gonna be good, but I didn't think it was gonna be this bad, especially with just how many weapons they have in Devonta Adams. They already have Hunter Renfro, already have Waller run game. Rem why are the Raiders 0-3? This is very disappointing. I was I was a little bit higher on the Raiders than most. I thought maybe they were going to be a playoff team this year. The last time the Raiders started 0-3 was the first season they bring in John Gruden. The John Gruden era is very, very rocky, very, very rough. As we know, it culminates in what ultimately leads to the scandal that leads to his firing. And then dominoes just continued to fall for the Raiders that year. Just, you know, bad thing after bad thing happened, but Viseka's there. And once the season kind of mellows out and they're able to come together as a team, Viseka is able to rally these guys together. They're a tough team to play. They're good in close games and they're able to beat a much, a much more talented Chargers team. All of us thought this team was a sleeper Super Bowl team. Herbert is ready to take this team to the next level. No, the Raiders beat him. The Raiders are in the playoffs. And Josh McDaniels has just sucked that spark out of this Raiders team. 
the first three weeks of the season. A team, a team that got better in the offseason as well that was already stacked. You know, Max Crosby is one of the better edge rushers in the league. They bring in Chandler Jones to put opposite of him. Derek Carr plays well. The offense is able to make the playoffs. Let, let's bring in an elite wide receiver, Devontae Adams, and add him into the mix as well. And Josh McDaniels has picked right up, right where he left off with the Denver Broncos. He starts that he starts that Denver Broncos run when he first comes in. It's all it's all good. He starts off six and zero. He's getting the highest level of football that Kyle Orton's ever played. He's getting that out of him, and then it all goes bad after that. Ever since then, if you just take out that six and zero start for Denver and just go his coaching career up until. This past week, he is five and twenty. He has not been good. And the Raiders, the Raiders offense, it just it doesn't look creative to me. It doesn't seem to be finding ways to get you know, Adams, Adams is like second in the league in targets and still watching the games, you just go, there is no real like creative effort to get this guy the ball. And I think his his average yard per target is like the lowest it's been since his second year in the league, I believe. All the stuff where you go in Green Bay, the way he's able to beat a guy one-on-one down the sideline, the way he's able to create yards after the catch out of these smoke screens. It's like, wh- where's all the creative stuff that got him going in Green Bay? There's nothing of that in this offense. They don't seem to be using him to his strengths. And it's it, it hasn't been good. There's been some close games. But to me, this Josh McDaniels thing, it's... It's obviously off to a disastrous start, and to me, this is not this is not going to go well. I I was in on the Raiders, but I'm I'm getting off now because I don't I don't I don't know. Maybe they get they'll they'll probably give McDaniel's the season, but once we start getting into next year, I don't know. It's his track record is starting to grow at this point of him as just being a real low level coach. Yeah, which you know, I don't, I'm surprised people didn't kind of see coming with Tom Brady being his quarterback, but. You know, with this team, I did like obviously that connection with Carr and Adams, you know, of their past, of them having a proven record of winning together. But, you know, it's a different level. It's it's the league and it's it's just obvious that this team is it's falling apart. It's not it's not getting it done. Now, you know, the games have been close, they haven't really gotten blown out. There's just too much talent on this roster for them to get destroyed. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to convert, you got to produce. And like you mentioned, Josh McDaniels has had a history of not producing, you know, not finding a way. And maybe they should have kept pit boss rot rich, you know, <laughs> whatever his face, rich beside you, you know, maybe they should have kept him because he definitely kept his team competitive. He had a little, he had a definitely Dan Campbell vibes, Um, you know, go back in time, Sam, would you do that? If you if if they give you a mulligan on the the Raiders coach hiring, you can just you could just come in and just hire Basek. I take him back. Would you do that after this, especially after this 0-3 start if you're coming in right now? Just the way yes, yes. Just the way he is, just like scrappy, he felt like, you know, trying to get it done. And he he felt like he really embodied the Raiders. You know, they've never been really a flashy team. They've been talented. They're very talented. I mean, Max Crosby is one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league. He scares the lights out of me. And, you know, Derek Carr every once in a while shows up. Darren Waller doesn't get enough respect. Hunter, Hunter Renfro was um, like he was a monster for my fantasy last year. So this team is always full of, you know, underrated guys who go under the radar, just like their coach and their former coach. And I, I definitely think that that he's definitely – he definitely seemed like he had this team whipped up and, you know, it would have been great momentum keeping them into the next year, but they of course had to go with what they thought would be pedigree and above and beyond. And, you know, he has a resume of winning in new England as the coordinator and, uh, you know, looks like he's going to have returned there if he wants a job, because I don't think he's staying with Las Vegas. It's not, it's not looking good. Um, which is sad for Adams. Cause you know, he really took a chance coming out to, Vegas to play with his friend, and um, now he's kind of getting punished for it. Uh, but it looks like his old employers are prospering. As we touch on our last game, big matchup, Packers, Bucks, and um, that last drive, watching that, what rewatching it, 
you know, it just feels like Brady's just going to win again. And, you know, I hate Brady, but, you know, I can't, I can't discount his record. He's a winner. And again, it just, it, it really felt like going down that last drive. I really thought it felt like, you know, he was just going to tie it up. They were going to go to OT. He was going to slip all the refs, uh, Ben Franklin and get the ball first. And then he was going to win the game. But, um, that's not what happened. Story, the story had a different ending. And um, are you surprised the Bucks didn't pull this one off? The Bucks are the Bucks are in the same place they were at the end of last season. The guys are all still injured. They were down their entire receiving core. In, in the first drive, Brady comes out. He fires to a guy. The announcer says, "It's it's Cole Beasley." You're like Cole Beasley. What's? I didn't even realize he was out of the league and not on a team, but, but now he's, but now he's exactly. back on a team. Like what, what just happened? Kyle Rudolph, the same thing he's throwing to Kyle Rudolph. It's confusing. Who are these guys? These guys have literally been on the team for like a matter of days. So no, I'm not surprised that for the, the one game this year where the Packers receivers are going to be more experienced than any team they play or have more hmm. familiarity with an offense was going to be against, against this Bucks. Very reminiscent of that Rams playoff game. So we're in the same spot. The defense, the defense to me is still elite. So I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not worried about the Bucks. I think once they get their weapons back, you could see, you could see the just the little like nuances of their offense. I think there was like a third down where Brady throws the ball to Cole Beasley and the ball's like a yard and a half, two yards short of the first down line. But the way the passes and the way the receivers running the route. It should carry him perfectly to the first down, but Cole Beasley comes up short. It's, you know, if that's Chris Godwin, that's a first down. And it, if it's Chris Godwin and he's fully healthy, you know, who how, who knows how far he takes it. So when this team comes back, in my mind, to me, they're still they're still number one to me in the the NFC. But I don't know. Is there is there Brady can't finish any games anymore? He lost to Stafford. He lost to Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling you know. I'm feeling the fire, Sam. Come on. Is Brady is this is this it? Well, you know, we're always trying to get Brady to admit that he's done. You know, always trying to look for even a hint of him falling off the cliff. Um, but you know, he got he got outplayed by Rodgers. You know, Rodgers had a great first half. I mean, he was just hitting all his shots. Uh, second quarter half wasn't as great. It was rough, but um, you know, he did just barely enough to win, uh, which obviously won't work against other teams. But it worked today, and it worked or worked on that day, and it worked for that game. So. You know, it's definitely um interesting to see how like how many injuries the Bucks just have all the time. Like it's just tough for them. I mean, like Mike Evans, I don't remember him putting eight weeks together. And you know, like you mentioned, Godwin. I mean, we're lucky to see him five weeks in a row. So it's it's really tough to see that, you know, and at the end of the day, Tom Brady is one of the greats, and it's kind of sad to see that, you know, his offense is He's got not much to work with. Now, those are solid players, Cole Beasley and Rudolph, but they're a little old past their prime. And, you know, it's just really taxing him, which – and he obviously has to throw to them because he's not a quarterback who can use his feet like he's shown before. So it'll be interesting to see Brady in one of – probably one of his more tougher seasons um, trying to produce uh, at an elite level. At an elite level. But – that should be it for NFL stuff. Moving on to the NBA, there's still stuff going on. Season hasn't started, but, you know, still stuff, rumblings going on. And one of the biggest rumblings, new ownership in the league, Robert Sarver. Looks like he's looking to sell the team. Now, you know, an interesting thing to note, the league cannot make anyone sell the team. You just can't. I mean, they there's a reason they bought into the league. Uh, Silver did pay um, $10 million. Uh, he had a $10 million fine banned for a year. And I think that's the most Silver could do. Or Silver did it for Sarver. Kind of Sarver, Silver, getting the names mixed up. Silver imposed a million, uh, $10 million ban, the most that Lee could, on Sarver. And a year-long ban. Um, and I think, you know, from sources are saying that it was a coordinated effort with uh, you know, the top players and it was, it was a coordinated thing. You pretty much put Sarver out with the media and the pressure from outside and rich people, other owners trying to push him out. You know, it's obviously a bad look for the league with what he did. So it looks like he's selling. 
estimates are putting it at about, you know, four and a half to five million billion with a B dollar dollars. You know, it's one of it's definitely a growing market, only an hour away from LA, an hour and a half and by flight. And, you know, it's a team with a superstar. Well, not superstar. Well, ESPN rankings, which we'll get later into because there's a superstar, Devin Booker. But, you know, whatever. Rem, what are your thoughts on the sale? I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how fast these things go. This is where we wanted the Sarver thing ultimately to end up was him not in the NBA anymore. Him not in control of an organization or a part of an organization in any way with the history he has with the history he has as you know, with the workplace that he has created over there and the culture that he has created in Phoenix. So this is, this is all good. He is going to sell the team and you know, basically you, you pressure him and you know, everything and you try to devalue the franchise and he's like, well, if the franchise is just going to go down, I need to sell now because it's never going to be worth more to me while I'm here. So it's a, you know, it becomes a business move and there's morally, and then you get into things, but ultimately Sarver out of the NBA is good. That's what we want. That's where we want this to go. And they've released odds on potential new owners of the Phoenix oh. Suns. You just laid out. It's a very coveted team. It's a very coveted market. And Sarver has a history of being a little tight with the checkbook. He hasn't really put out any big money. So there's, you know, potential with the market there and the stars that they have in place that if they're able to bring in a big owner and he's willing to spend, it's going to be a different, it's just going to be a different thing there in Phoenix than what the Phoenix fans are used to in, in the past. I mean, I mean, look at Denver. They bring in the, I know it's football, but they bring in the Walmart guy. This guy is insanely rich. He doesn't even know Roger Goodell's name. They say, Hey, do you want to sign Russell Wilson to, you know, whatever number. And he looks at that number and to him, it's like, wait, that, that, that number's small. I'm the Walmart guy. I have way, way too much money. And the football people are like, but Russell, well, this is too much for a quarterback. He doesn't understand. Hopefully that happens in Phoenix. Some guys just willing to come in and spend Sam. Do you want to know, do you want to know who is, who the guys are at the top right now for the Phoenix suns ownership? Do we got any Elon Musk, any crazy, you know, Tim cook, some tech guys in there. again? And some off the wall, you know, weird ones. You're you're in the you're in the right ballpark. Definitely a lot of tech guys. Elon Musk is one of them. Elon Musk has the fourth highest odds of when when I wow. saw this when I saw this tweet. Plus six fifty, Elon Musk to own the Phoenix Suns. The number one odds right now, Bob Iger, former Disney mm. CEO. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Number two, Jeff Bezos. That's Three. interesting. The the Bezos the Bezos one is interesting. Three is Arturo Moreno. Four, Elon Musk. Five, Michael Bidwell. Uh, another Walmart guy's on this list. Trump is on this list. Trump is I I don't know if he wants to get into the NBA. I think he was trying to get in by the Buffalo yeah, Bills at one point. Which Trump owning the Buffalo NBA. Bills now would just uh. Be, be insane and then and then bill gates as well they had odds on bill gates to win so if you look at bill gates and you look at jeff bezos that's that's two seattle guys potentially throwing their hat into the ring for an nba team and i actually don't think that the nba i don't think bezos or bill gates are going to be buying the phoenix suns yeah but the league has talked about expansion there's been connection to a lot of markets. Vegas has been one of those markets. And from what we've heard and other, well, what we've heard other people talk about, it seems like that Vegas market honestly might go to LeBron. And if they want to get LeBron in ownership, and if it doesn't happen in Cleveland, maybe they expand a team in Vegas and he gets some stake there. And then over time or something, he eventually is majority owner, Michael, like Michael Jordan, he controls the team. So that thing, that might kind of already be like on the side wink wink spoken for. And we know they're they're looking to expand in Seattle, but we don't really know how that's going to happen. And it seems like there's some Seattle guys now looking Bezos. He's, you know, the Amazon that's in Seattle, Bill Gates, Microsoft, that's that's Seattle. So the Seattle guys are now like 
they're 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 in the mix for these NBA teams. Yeah, I think with the Amazon one, it may be a little hard. I know they have better partnerships with the NFL than the NBA, but I I think there's a little people are a little worried with owners and companies having partnerships with the league, you know, them getting money that way. So they may not want to do that because of the streaming rights. They may try to get into streaming NBA stuff. Now they've only done NFL stuff. So who knows? Um, also with Bob Iger, you know, sources are saying that he just doesn't have enough money. <laughs> um, so that's, that's very fair. If it's 5 billion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I, well, as, as as many in the industry can attest, you know, media doesn't pay that well. And, uh, you know, hopefully, I mean, you know, who knows? That'd be interesting, especially considering that he left. But, you know, even if Amazon isn't going into, um, you know, streaming NBA, I think that'd be interesting with Bezos. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, there's, you know, we could have someone from left field like Aturo or Trump. I highly doubt it'll be Trump. I think that was just thrown in there for laughs and giggles you know someone could throw it on there but um you know in fact i I don't know if they i don't think the league would allow trump in because they still have to vote to let the owners in and yeah considering his whole fiasco with the bubble i'm pretty sure he wouldn't get allowed in so yeah i'm pretty sure that just get knocked down but um that is interesting you know i will have to see i mean because it's just a lot of money but with the NBA deal, with the TV deals coming up, you know, every, everything, all the money is just going up. It's just going up, especially with these leagues. So um, it'll, it'll be it'll be definitely interesting, something to keep an eye on. So I, w- I was going to ask it, ask you about if the league would want to get get in with these streaming guys, because Amazon is now in with the NFL. They have Thursday night and. If Bezos is now, you know, if if that's potential and ultimately there is a possibility that if somebody's going to own a team and maybe it's in, I don't think, again, I don't think it would be Phoenix, but maybe if it is in Seattle, like, is, is that, is that, a, is that a move? I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know how I feel about that. If the owner of an NBA team also could potentially own like streaming rights. Exactly. It would it would it would just it would be unprecedented. I don't know if it would be bad or anything. It would just be it would definitely be unprecedented. Well, yeah, it'd be weird because you have favorites, you know, favoritism. Are you promoting your team's games over others? You know, are you offering your team's games bad free than others? You know, is it harder to find other ones? I mean, someone's going to find where the algorithm where it's wonky and favors the team owners games. And once the second any other owners sniff here anything of that then it's it's gonna be you know all heck will break loose for it so i think it's a very tight very hard tight rope you know to go on if they go down that road and because it could very easily topple so and uh, another tight rope that did topple another fiasco scandal sadly hitting my boy tatum and the celtics he made a doko Get suspended for a whole year. Um, had improper conduct um, while I work with a female uh, co-worker. A consensual relationship. You know, we know who he's married to. I don't understand what Buddy's doing, but we're, you know, whatever. We're not going to speak on that. This is a sports podcast. So we're going to focus on the sports part of it. You know, Twitter's for all the other stuff. It's really sad, though, for this young team that we really felt was just getting started. Yes, our will was getting a little surgery, but he was coming back. They bring in Brogdon, who I really liked as a player, but, you know, I really didn't think he could be a number one option, which is why I felt like those Bucks teams back in the day really struggled because they turned to him to be a playoff Hall of Fame, you know, playoff finisher. And it's like, no, he's not that guy. But him as a playmaker, you have gone off the bench. You know, the depth continues for this team, and we should be really excited. You know, they do lose their top assistant before this whole thing happens in Will Hardy. So, you know, but it's like, oh, we have the Doka. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter now. Where do we put this team? Are we still putting it as an elite team with the interim coach of, uh, let me see if we can get his name right, uh, Joe Mazzula? I mean, you know, what What are your expectations for this team now with 
their their talisman, their person who turned around this whole team being gone for the whole year. Just to speak on the Adoka situation, though, you know, it is it it is a situation that is within within the company and within that, you know, whatever their corporate structure and their corporate guidelines are. So it's it is one of those, you know, we've had off season situations in the it's like, you know, we just coming out of the Deshaun Watson thing where yeah. it's harder to separate the two mm-hmm. things. And we get we get that, it you know, it's his personal life and mm. whatever. Whatever you want to, whatever dialogue you want to have about that, uh, you can yeah. have. I, I've been a huge fan of Idoka. He has come out of the pop coaching tree. He was on the staff on that 2014 Spurs finals team on, and in those finals runs. So I've always been a fan of him. He was behind Brett Brown in the 76ers. And I remember just saying, why is Brett Brown the coach? Odoka is right, right there. He's his number one assistant. He's, he's way better. He should be the coach. He goes to Boston and it was Udoka that we were all singing the praises of in the playoffs. And it was, it was really what he brought to this team that pushed him over to the edge to the finals. That was, this is literally what he is there to do. This is the same roster that Brad Stevens has. It's the same core. It's the Tatum. It's the Brown. It's the smart. And they said, these guys need to go to the next level. They need some, they need a little bit of edge to them. We just we need breakthroughs from all these guys if we're going to be a finals team, if we're going to win the trophy. Their guy was Udoka, and it was it was the biggest, it was the biggest swing of how how we thought of a coach over the course of a season. What he did last year on the Celtics, where it was rough. It didn't look like it was working at the beginning, but it was, hey, if we stick with this and trust me, it's gonna work. The plan is going to work. The defensive stuff, we're going to figure it out. And, you know, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, if I continue to be tough on these guys, it's going to work out. And it it did. It worked out. The Adoka stuff worked out. And Curry is an all-time generational, you know, top 15 player of all time. And they got him at his number one finals moment. It happens. It happens. You're young. You have a chance to bring this core back. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know because it was it was the Adoka thing at least for me that I was like buying in. I was I was buying I was I was buying in on Tatum as well and his evolution as a player, but that was again directly tied to Adoka. Yeah, I mean this team had obviously tried with their roster, their current the roster that they had taken to the finals, and you know they were just they had tried to they tried it out with other coaches including brad stevens well it was just brad stevens and you know who who's still a solid coach and they just couldn't get it done and so Ime comes in and in less than a year turns them from a sub 500 team to a finals you know in the finals runner-up i mean that's that's a huge reason to give him praises and you know looking at his situation as far as we know nothing illegal happened this is all internal punishment stuff but when you have these power dynamics all that you know you gotta you gotta uh, you know you, you gotta keep everyone in the row so it's definitely you know obviously i especially am you know bummed out about this because of jason tatum i still think you know obviously i still think he'll have a great season but you know as we well know once you get in those playoffs those tough matchups it's it's the coaches that really set apart teams and really put teams above others, and you know what how the coaches you know being there every day and the the great coaches really set up their teams for success, and you know that's where we see it with with Budenholzer you know always getting this flack for doing it his way and he eventually got it done yeah you know Giannis took another step as well but you know the reason those teams were competitive was because of Budenholzer and also his coaching as well Kerr. You know, one of the best coaches, you know, just putting trust in Curry and earlier on and just continuing to hold this team together, um, you know, year after year. Uh, so much stress. The poor guy's been, you know, in the hospital so much, you know, had a couple of surgeries. And, you know, but when you look at these great teams, they've had great support, great staff. Um, and it's just tough, you know, after just one year with Ime, you know, almost as good as he could get. I mean, you know, just a couple wins from winning a ring. 
beyond that, you know, I don't know what more he could do in the first year, which I think is a big reason of why he wasn't fired. Because this last year was pretty bad. I mean, who knows if we're seeing Ime still come on the be on there on the sideline. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he'll stay he'll be here, you know, in a year. I highly doubt he'll leave or resign or something like that. But, you know, it's 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 going to be a long, long road to recovery for uh, this team because this is a big blow to him. You know, it, we can only go by the information that we know is out at this point. So if the, if there's something going on behind the scenes that makes this uglier, uglier, you know, it was a very it was a very grim atmosphere around the Celtics organization, a grim atmosphere surrounding this whole situation. You know, it, it it's not a, it's not I it's not something you want in your company, obviously. But hopefully, that's not. Hey, there's things here going on that we really don't want people to know about. That who you know just long term for Udoka staying there who who knows who knows what that leads to and you mentioned it earlier but Ainge just coming in and just swooping Will Hardy in the off season and now yeah. he's gone and if he's there again he's from that Spurs tree so you know I'm gonna like Will Hardy but he's Udoka's head assistant and if he's there you go hey maybe this thing is able at least going into the season I can talk myself into that more but with this with this Joe Mazzula guy you know. We'll, we'll give him a shot. This roster is still good. Hopefully, they're still able to do kind of the same sort of things. But I'm definitely when we start doing the preseason stuff, that that it's just it's going to be in the back of my mind. How how can it yeah. not be? No, it has to be a factor. It has to be something you know, acknowledge, and especially when you're going against the top teams that have been together for years and uh, are just continuing the chemistry that they've had. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Uh, how the Celtics adjust. Um, but to end the whole podcast on a light note, a little bit. Uh, last week we had our NFL teams facing up. Now this week it's our college teams facing up. We have some Michigan call uh, hot Iowa fans at my work. So we also have hate week there too. You know, obviously Michigan is a heavy favorite being ranked number four, decimating all competitions uh, all teams they faced, and um, I know we already talked about J.J. McCarthy, but, um, you know, we'll give Rem a little bit of time here to just show your man some love because I'll, I'll give my my quarterback from another team love, but why, why, what has J.J. McCarthy been doing to stand above everyone else? He continues to be the smartest quarterback of the Harbaugh era. That is for sure, while also being the most aggressive quarterback in the Harbaugh era. I think he leads the country in uh, yards per attempt, if I'm not mistaken, for a, a quarterback. He leads the nation in completion percentage. Definitely, he's 80% on the season. And he's also one of the most aggressive quarterbacks as well. So he's throwing the ball down the field. But the Maryland game was definitely a, a growth game for him. That was his uh, third start, second, third start of his career. You know, he's very young. And this Iowa, this Iowa defense is absolutely legit. It is one of the best in the country. And if you're J.J. McCarthy, this is going to be a real... T- it's going to be his first road start as well. So this is this is going to be a real a real test for J.J. McCarthy. I'm glad this is not a primetime game because Kinnick Stadium primetime is one of the scariest places to play. It's the 11-game kickoff, so hopefully that eases it a little bit for him. But I still think this is there's going to be a lot of pressure. Luckily... Iowa's offense is just incapable and we've already faced this team in the big 10 championship game and it did not go well, but the defense is legit. Their defensive special teams could just score at any point. There could be, they could just give the team seven to 14 points. And then now if Iowa puts it now, Iowa can get to 30 points with the defense scoring half of them. Like it is, it is possible. So the upset watch is there. Michigan is 10 and a half point favorites right now, but I'm, I'm still confident in my guys, but I am, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it, but I'm confident. Yeah, no, it definitely. Um, uh, I mean, it'll be, it'll be real interesting to see what, uh, them coming into Iowa city this weekend. You know, we have ESPN game day here. Everyone's hyping it around. And I personally, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'll, I'll go on the record. I don't think I was going to win, but it is fun to cheer. 
you know, against y'all, you know, it'll be, it won't be the first time that, you know, you guys have been highly ranked top 10 and coming to Iowa City and lose, you know, that it's would be It's uh, happened before. Nice There's day. a history of it. There is, there is a history before it. Uh, but it won't be because of the quarterback. It'll definitely be because of the defense. But one of my other college teams, which is winning, undefeated right now, in fact, because of the quarterback, the Kansas Kansas University, Kansas Jayhawks. I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, I'm more on them during basketball. I don't know. I didn't I didn't follow them as too much basketball team as too much. Of course, the one year they win the championship is when I'm here, you know, loving on Paolo, Von and hoping they win. But you know, always happy for Bill Self. But shout out, it's football season back on football. Jalen McDaniels. It's it's kind of crazy what he's done this season. The ESPN, they're not showing him a lot of love. You know, they still have him. They still have them ranked 55th in FBI rankings, you know, less than 0.1% to go to undefeated on the season, obviously. But, um, you know, their defense has it's given up only 2.4 points per drive um, and 5.6 yards per play. So, it's the defense that's been, you know, turnstiles for them. It's definitely not the offense. Um, you know, he's he's definitely, you know, right now, uh, Jalen Daniels has the best QBR in FBS at 98.0. And, you know, he's beaten, he's beaten pretty easy teams, but this next week is going to be a decent challenge against Iowa State. They're not ranked, but... Um, you know, look out for the Jayhawks. You know, it's always fun to cheer for the underdog. And I'm happy they're finally winning. We always, we had that weird stretch with, um, I'm trying to remember his name. He was Les Miles. Les Miles was there for a little bit. You know, we tried a little something, didn't really work. But um, we'll see. I, I definitely, Jalen McDaniels, he just makes plays. And, you know, I need to finally sit down and watch him. Maybe this week against Iowa State. And uh, this weekend could end up great for my teams, you know. We beat Michigan. Kansas wins. You know, we can continue rolling. We'll see. We'll see. But um, uh, hope you enjoy the game, Rem. You're you're headed on there. Should people look out for the Rem at at uh, the Iowa game? I will be in and out, in and out very quick. I know I gushed about J.J. McCarthy, but Jalen Daniels is, eye test-wise, definitely – Definitely can provide a little bit more than McCarthy can. And you have Iowa State this week, and then you have TCU after that, which has been a feisty team. If you get through that stretch, you're undefeated, you're 5-0, and you get to the real bulk of your Big 12 schedule. You go at Oklahoma, at Baylor, and then you get Oklahoma okay. State at home. So if, if your team is legit, that's going to be an interesting stretch, and especially if you get there undefeated, like you're going to have a real chance to get the big 12 title Baylor, Baylor and Oklahoma have already lost Oklahoma state's the Mm -hmm. only other undefeated team in the big 12. And in any of those games, you, you guys are going to have the best player on the field. You're going to have Jalen Daniels. He's been special. He's a sleeper Heisman right now. I think he's six in the odds and he is, he's, he's special to watch. He is a fun player. And I, I, I don't want to get you too hyped, but I think you guys that, that it's going to be a brutal. Those three games are going to be brutal, especially two of them on the road. But yeah, you, you guys are gonna. I will say. I mean, if we go one and two, two, if we go two and one in those games, if we go two and one in those games, you know, maybe lose to the Sooners. I think it definitely could get ranked, which is the highest Kansas has been in forever. And considering the seller is the expectation for Kansas, I'm telling you, this this is crazy. Yeah, you. you uh, there um, might be a legit bowl game in there as well. Yeah, this could this could be the year. This could be the year, but. That should be about it for uh, for our sports. Um, nothing else too much going on. I guess, you know, I have a lot of Frisbee stuff going on. You know, we just finished our club season. Didn't do too well regionals, but uh, we're hyping up our college season. Um, shout out IHUC, Iowa Hawkeye Ultimate Club. I know, you know, maybe one or two guys listen to the pod. And, you know, this season we're right now in our preseason-ish. We have our we start getting serious in the spring. That's when we have like our college series where we play other colleges. But um, it's it's a little bit of pressure. It's a little bit of pressure because this is all uh, we have 
most of our top players, four or five of our top players are seniors this year, and we're really pushing for nationals. So it's 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 a lot of pressure this year. We're we're trying to we're trying to make it get it to nationals, and um, yeah. So you know, I know frisbee is a really obscure sport. You can really get zapped into it. You know, we we're checking around a eleven grand. I don't know how many grams of plastic around, but. You know, it's it's a really nice community, and um, but yeah, just a update on frisbee stuff. You know, sports stuff, and um, shout out IHUT. You know, hopefully shout we'll out. see. Shout out, shout out. We're, we're 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 you know, I could go on and on. We could do a whole frisbee podcast. Don't get me started on that team, but um, yeah, hopefully uh, keep keep an eye out for more content. Spop.media, that's spop.media, and our Instagram page. Rem has been putting in time, putting up posts. Give it a like, give it a follow. They they sound great. Um, putting in work, and um, yeah, keep keep an eye out for more sports down the line. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening.